Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Who's excited for church? Come on! If you're new, we are in a collection of talks called Give Your Year to God. And We've been doing this collection of talks for the last four or five weeks, trying to get, make this 2022 the best year of our life. And we're trying to make it not just goal-oriented, not just trying to be the best in the gym or at work. Make this the best year spiritually. Amen? And we are actually in day 15 of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Who's been fasting? Come on, let's be honest. Who's been feasting? Come on, don't lie. We're in church. Come on. doesn't matter where you are. I want to encourage you. We are in day 15 of 21 of days 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you go to our website, you can download a prayer journal. It will guide you for the next six days. Listen, if you just give God one day, there will be a shift spiritually in your life. And as a church community, we want to give God the first 21 days of the year because we just believe the rest will be blessed. Amen. We, we all went through something traumatic together. We all went through something as a, not just our community, the entire country went through 60, 70 weeks of shelter in place. Come on, it's hard. That was hard on us spiritually. We're trying to revitalize, re- reignite the passion that we have for God. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, it's when we go to Genesis chapter 25, if you see it on the screen, someone say amen. amen. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer. I love that. And his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Anybody believe in the power of prayer? Amen. The babies. Not baby, the babies jostled. It's not a word we use in our culture. The babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? I could spend 30 minutes just talking about that idea. Why is this happening to me? God, why did you give me that sister? God, why did you give me those parents? God, why did you give me that boss? Come on, we can preach about that all day long. Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And I, I love that she went to the only source that can answer the question. And, and often when we're reading the Bible, what we don't realize is we, you and I have all the details. We know what's going on in Rebecca's womb. But Rebecca does not live in a day and age where there are sonograms. Come on. She doesn't know that there are babies inside of her. The, this, the book of Genesis was written by a guy named Moses. And he is writing in the The third person omniscient narrative, which means he's giving us details about the people in the story, and the people in the story don't know those details. Rebecca knows that she has a baby, but there's this tension, there's this fighting within her. She does not know why. She has pain, but she doesn't know the purpose. And I want to tell you, some of you, often pain is the pivot point of purpose. Because you won't seek God until you're like, God, why am I going through this? And so Rebecca has this pain, and she goes to the Lord, and It continues, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out. With his hand grasping Esau's heel, he, so he was named Jacob. I want to preach around this idea that every one of you in this room, you got two people inside of you. And there's this tension. You want to make this the best year of your life, and there's someone pulling you, making this the worst year of your life. You, you want to achieve your goals, and there's someone else that wants something different. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, someone else is inside of you. Someone else is inside of you. 
And I'm sorry if you're at church and no one said that to you. That, that's messed up. Come on. But I want to preach around this idea. The title of today's sermon is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Libby, if you can close your eyes and bow your head. Let's pray before we begin. God, thank you so much, Lord, that your spirit is here. You're doing something. I know we've gone through 60, 70 weeks of COVID, God, and now it feels like everyone right now in this season is sick. But, God, we came full of faith. We came full of hope. We came to hear from you, Jesus. We, we want to be transformed. We want to love like you, talk like you, l- look more like you. And if you believe that, everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. And I, I want to do a spiritual sonogram today uh, of your soul. And everyone, I already have the results. Everyone in the room is having twins. Congratulations. <laughs> e- even the men. Come on. And I want to tell you that there are two people inside of you. And I'm not sure where you're going with this, with this sermon, but I want to kind of help you. There are two people inside of you. There's a person inside of me. Listen, he wants abs. He wants to look good for his wife. Because there's more intimacy, if you know what I'm talking about, right? I want to eat healthy. I want to lose weight. I want abs. But there's another person inside of me. And that person wants Taco Bell. Come on. And I don't know if you know this, the good news, the Mexican pizza is coming back in March. Come on. Come on. And so there's this tension inside of me. One wants abs and one wants nachos. How many know that struggle, right? There's another person inside of me. He wants to be responsible. He wants to go to bed early. He wants to wake up before the sun comes up and work out, spend time with God, get the house ready, just be super dad. But there's another person inside of me. And he wants to finish season one of that TV show. Come on. And then tomorrow he wants to finish season two. And he, 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 there's this tension. And there are some of you, if you're honest tonight, you want to be sober. But there's another part of you that just wants a drink, a hit. Some of you, you want your marriage to be healed. And there's another part of you that just wants it to end. Some of you in this room, you, you want to love again. You want to trust again. You want friends again. But you've been hurt so many times, some of you want to close your heart off to other people. There are two people inside of you. Do you know that you have twins? And I actually have two daughters, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And even though they both came out of my body and Pastor Yaz's body, more her body than mine, come on. They're totally different. Sophia's the extrovert. She loves, let me rephrase that, she has to be around people. She loves to eat around people. She loves to play around people. She even wants to sleep in the room around people. Zoe's different. Zoe, she'll be in the other room, close the door. Zoe, do you want to sleep with our bed tonight? No, slams the door in my face. Go away. I, I want to be alone. Sophia will talk all day, and at night she needs it to be quiet because she loves, she can only sleep when it's silent. Zoe is something else, dude. This girl's going to be a worshiper. Every night, Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. Every night this girl is singing, and these two girls will fight not because they're different, but because they want the same thing. Trying to tell you there are two people tonight inside of you. Even though on the outside you look the same, there is a diff, there's a conflict of interest. This is why there are some days you're happy and some days you're not. There are some days you can feel like you can take over the world and some days you can't. Why? Because there are two people inside of you and they're fighting for the same mind. There are two of you that are fighting for the same income, fighting for the same marriage, fighting for the same body. Do you realize that you have two people inside of you and they both want the same thing? And in our culture, they, they, it, it symbolically shows this tension that we all have with indecision, with the angel on one side and the demon on the other, right? Come on. And often what we do in our Christian culture is we go, well, what would Jesus do? 
well, I have this tension. I, I want to live life this way, but the part of me wants to live that way. What do I do? What do I do with this tension? We ask the question, what would Jesus do? WWJD. That's not very helpful, though. Because Jesus, sometimes he's very humble. He says, pick up the cross and follow me, right? He, he denies himself. And other times he just flips the table. It's like, which one do I do, Pastor Ali? And there are honestly some of you in this room, you make these decisions, these mistakes over and over again. And you wonder, am I always going to be that person? Am I always going to be the worst of me? And there are others of you that you experience these days where you walk in the spirit. You, you walk out what God wants. You're like, God, I, I don't see that day enough. And if I can summarize today's talk around one sentence, it is this. And the, the worst of you is not all of you. And the best of you is not outside of you. There are two people in you. In you. Do you know that? And let me read you uh, Genesis chapter 25. It says, the first. Someone say the first. Can we, let me say it again. Someone say the first. We are a loud church. This tribe has a vibe. Amen. Come on, help me preach this sermon. The first to come out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Elmo. I mean, I'm kidding. They named him Esau. Anyone who's red and super hairy. This says his whole body was like a hairy garment. Some of you are super theologians. You guys love to study God's word, and you have this question, but you're afraid to ask it. Could you braid the hair on his butt cheeks? Yes, he was that hairy. This man was very hairy. And the question is, why is God putting this guy on blast like that? Why is God shaming him? Why is God making him so hairy? Why does God give us these details? And often what you don't realize is that the details physically are an indication of what his personality is spiritually. See, red is symbolic of sin in the scriptures. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah, though my sin is scarlet red, you make me white as snow. That's why in Christian culture, women wear white wedding gowns because it's a sign of purity red in the scriptures often if you remember in the book of genesis or exodus moses goes to the red sea and he he, he makes the river red symbolic of sin and the scriptures trying to tell you that esau this hairy little boy he was has hairy as a carpet it's not just that he's hairy it's that his hair is red he lives a carnal life he lives according to his flesh. He lives according to his basic instincts. He wants food right now. He wants sex right now. He wants everything right now. He lives according to his flesh. And the scriptures are trying to tell you he's carnal. And I was labeled point number one. There is someone else inside of you and they're basic. But I didn't want to do that. Point number one is this. There is someone inside of me and they're the first to come out. Do you know that? That Esau is always the first one to come out. Whenever there's tension, whenever there's a problem, whenever you have a fight or conflict with someone, it's not the Jesus that comes out of you. It's Esau that comes out of you. you got to realize that. I mean, my, my daughter, my five-year-old, she, before we gave, my wife gave birth to the second one, uh, Sophie and I, she used to be my shopping buddy. And I had this amazing stroller, which was so big and large, it was like dynamic. Like when Sophie was three months old, the stroller could hold her. And as she got older and wanted to sit up, we take that car seat out and you put a different seat in. And then when she got even older, there was another seat where it allowed her to sit upright. Because then it got to the point where this, this girl didn't want to sit in the stroller anymore. She wanted to walk around, but then she'd get tired, so I still brought the stroller. And the stroller was amazing because I could take it to Starbucks, I could take it to, to Nordstrom's, I could take it to Target, anywhere I went grocery shopping. This stroller was everywhere. But then as my daughter got older and wanted to walk, I had to teach her new rules. Hey, Sophie. When we're crossing the street, you got to hold my hand, girl. Hey, Sophie, when I'm in the store, if I can't see you, girl, you've gone too far. And I had to train her. Like, there would be times where we'd be at Target, and she'd run to the toy section. I'm like, Sophie, I know, I, I know where you are. Can you see Dad? She's like, no. 
I'm like, you too far, girl. You got to come back. I got to train her. And there was this one time we went to Nordstrom. He's like, Daddy, can I hide? I'm like, sure. Go ahead. I'm, Daddy needs to look fresh on Sunday. Come on. Looking for clothes. It was literally 30 seconds. I'm like, Sophie. Sophie. And she, I thought she had hid behind the clothing rack. I'm looking. And you know, like, when you're a parent, your brain, like, denies the truth. It refuses to believe that your daughter's gone. So I'm running around for like a minute or two. She's here. She has to be here. And then fear hits you. She's gone. And I did the only thing I do. Someone help! And a Norsham employee comes up to me and says, what's going on? They put on the security. We're looking for a little girl with ponytails. And someone says, oh, I see this girl over here. I'm living in the men's section on the first floor of Nordstrom's, and my daughter is in the makeup section. If you know the, the layout, she's on the opposite side. This girl is hiding to win a prize or something. And when I finally catch up to her, I'm like, Sophie, what, what were you doing? I'm like, hiding, Dad. I'm hiding. She did what her instinct told her to do. And there's, an, there's someone inside of you. Listen, come on. Uh, you don't realize that, that this is why there's this conflict inside of you. This is why you fight sometimes with yourself. Because that person inside of you, listen, this is, this is why I had to tell my daughter, it does not matter. It does not matter if she's two years old or three years old or I've trained her a hundred times. I'm not going to put her in a position where Esau can come out. Every time we went shopping from that day forth, we went with two parents. So one parent can focus on shopping and looking fresh, and the other parent can be responsible and watch Sophia. This is why some of you, why do you spend time with their boyfriend at night alone when you know what's going to happen afterwards? You recognize the, the quiet. Why do you hang out with those friends when you know every time they're going to drink and get smoke? Why do you spend time on the computer Every night alone when you know you're going to go on that website. See, there are two things that you can do in the, as a Christian. You can say amen or you can say ouch. Help me preach this sermon because I know some of you are being convicted right now. And the, 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 the tension that you have to realize is uh, James Clear says this in the book Atomic Habits. We don't fail to the level of our willpower. We don't rise to the level of our willpower. We fall to the level of our systems. See, your problem is not a discipline problem. Like this. Discipline is not the problem. Decisions are the problem. Do you realize that you have Esau inside of you and he's the first one to come out? He wants anger. He wants revenge. He's always offended. He always wants to clap back. Do you recognize? This is why some of you, when you're on social media and someone says something nasty, says something mean, and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I cannot believe this person's not a Christian. And you want to respond and you want to correct them and you want to tell them off. Listen, that is not you typing. That is Esau typing that text right there. You got to put your thumbs in your pocket and realize if I let Esau type, I'm going to be in trouble. This is why some of you at work, we all have that one coworker that drops the ball, right? They ride everyone else's coattails. They always mess up on projects. And they finally do it again. And you want to write an email and the whole thing's in large caps, right? Because you're upset. You're angry. Take a step back. Because that's not you writing that email. That's Esau writing that email. You ever have a party that your friend has and they forget to invite you? And you're like, oh my gosh. They don't love me anymore. And you begin to judge the motives of your friends. But you judge yourself by your actions. That's Esau. That's Esau. You need to stop listening to Esau. You need to stop giving control because Esau wants control. Esau wants it right now. And he will always be the first to come out. And if you allow him, he will mess up your life. I wrote it down like this. Never make a quick decision because of a temporary feeling that has lasting consequences. 
Never make a quick decision. That's what Esau wants. Esau wants to do it right now. And it's always based on a temporary feeling, something that you feel in the moment. He wants to respond. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. And he's the first person. Your first reaction is never Jesus. It's always Esau. And the story continues. And Genesis 25 says, after this, someone say after. Can we say a little bit louder? It's 5 o'clock. I got full of spirit. Someone say after. Can someone say after? I love that the Bible says after. It says after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Jacob literally means heel grabber. And I love that the story in this story, after, after Esau comes out first, Jacob comes after. Because that tells me, spiritually speaking, that the person I am today is not the person I'm going to be tomorrow. There's another version, a better version. But they come after. Someone say after. My phone works this way. I've been having that. Who has an iPhone tonight? Come on, raise your hand if you have an iPhone. Raise your hand if you have an Android device. These are the most prideful people in America. Pray for them. It's time to switch. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But if you have a real phone, an iPhone, there's an update that comes out every year called iOS. And we're on version 15. It's crazy that every year they have more bugs to fix, more things to fix. I'm telling you, it does not matter who you are, there are more bugs to fix in you. And the person you are today is not the person you're going to be tomorrow. There's a better version, and it always comes after. Someone say after. And I, it's, it's crazy because some of you in this room, you, you don't realize. Some of you ladies, been your first boyfriend you dated, he was a buster. Come on. Second boyfriend you dated, he, he was a chump. Boyfriend number three, he made you bitter. But now you're going to meet another man. And the reason he's different is because he comes after those three. And he's average. But if you had met him before those three, you would have said, I don't want to spend time with you. But because you've experienced negativity, because you've experienced the, the, the bitterness and the chump, because he comes after, someone say after, you're going to value him. Come on. This is why I, I love all of the ex-boyfriends that my wife dated. I'm grateful for them. I'm, there are three people I'm grateful for. Jesus, my prayer life, and all of our ex-boyfriends. Because I, I, I'm average. I know that I'm average. And I'm okay with being average. I remember the very first time Pastor Yaz and I went on a date, I showed up with flowers. She's like, oh, my God. Blown away. Jaw on the ground. I'm like, girl, let's, let, let's put your, close your mouth. Let's go. <laughs> then we went to this Italian restaurant that a friend told me to go to, and it was pretty disgusting. There was a hair on the place. Like, I can't eat here. I, I, out of nowhere, I just Google this restaurant. I Yelp it. We end up going to this place called Foreign Cinema in SF. The, our, to this day, is our favorite restaurant. It was an amazing night. I remember walking her to her door. She wanted to lean and kiss me. I'm like, nope, not on first date, not me. <laughs> and then later, she told me, that was the best date of my life. I'm like, girl, that's my C game. Come on. I'm not even trying. That was my A game. Come on. Not, I was trying. But if it wasn't for all of her ex-boyfriends, she would have thought I was average. But because I came after, someone say after, she recognized. Come on, everyone in our culture, we love after. We love revive. We love restoration. We love things to be restored. All of those words, they happen after. You cannot have a restoration until something has destruction. You cannot have a, a, a revival until there is death. All of those things happen after. Someone say after. Some of you in this room, you don't realize. You might be very excited about the person you are today, but there's a better version of you coming. And it comes after. It comes after the divorce. It comes after the addiction. It comes after the brokenness. It comes after the betrayal. There's a better version of you coming, and it's called after. Someone say after. And, it, and the story continues in, in Genesis chapter 25. It says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in. 
from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick. Someone say quick. So you got to realize that the scriptures will describe our flesh as the, our carnal nature, our sinful nature, our, 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 the part of us that's broken. And that part of you always wants it now. Someone say now. It wants it right now. Often we don't realize we will give away eternal blessings for temporary satisfaction because we want it now. And this is a picture of Jacob, this red man who's super fleshly. Quick, give me some, some of that red stew. I am famished. That's why he was also called Edom. Then in verse 31, says, Jacob says, first sell me your birthright. What a terrible trade, right? Your birthright for a bowl of clam chowder. But listen, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jacob is doing something that we don't recognize. He knows his brother is a drama queen. King, I should say. And he knows his brother is exaggerating. Look at the text. Look, I, this is Esau speaking. I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? Doctors will tell us that you can survive 40 days on just water. Literally, you can fast, no food, live on water. Are you on day 41? Like, what's going on? Like some of you, you, you don't realize you can last much longer than 40 days because you have, you know, different, you have a lot of fat on your body. You can last, I'm not trying to go there. I'm just, just trying to say, like, we, you can go a long time without food. And Jacob's like, bro, come on. Like, are you on day 41? No. So then why are you saying this? You got to realize Jacob knows Esau's being a drama king. He knows he's exaggerating. I wrote down my point number two like this. There is someone inside of me, and they're catastrophic. It's actually a, a word that came out during COVID. It catastrophize. People catastrophize everything. And you get into an accident. Oh, my gosh, I got into a car accident. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my home. Everything's going to go away. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. My, my kids. My kids. They have this rash on their hand. They must have the bubonic plague. Come on. We, we do this. We, we go to the end game. We think the worst scenario. We think one thing that bad happens is going to lead to another thing bad happening. This is why some of you, you'll text some of your friends. And they won't text you back. Like, oh my gosh, they're angry. We're not friends anymore. I didn't like her dress. I didn't compliment her hair. Now we're not friends anymore. Because what, you, what you're doing is you're catastrophizing the situation. That's why some of you, you do this to me. Like, Pastor Ali didn't say hi to me. Oh my gosh, he must think I'm a sinner. No, bro, I didn't see you. Hello. But we all do this. I did this so much during the pandemic. If I can be honest, I remember, I remember March 2020. We were at the Hotel Valencia. We had two services running, about 100 people each service. And then March 8th, something weird happened. There's only about 110 people that service. I was like, dude, wh what is going on? And my friends were like, do you not realize there's a COVID happening? Do you not have 10 weeks of water and diapers and underwear and, and toilet paper? I'm like, am I the only one who has not done this? And the following week was March 15th. The whole world shut down. And I thought for sure, our church is dead. We don't even own a camera. How are we going to put our church online? And, and we didn't even know Dalen is awesome in the back of the room. We can do production. Can we give a round for Dalen? Come on. And then you fast forward a couple weeks. And a man by the name of George Floyd was crying out, I can't breathe. And the largest, the biggest parade of protests in American history happened. I thought, oh my gosh, this is crazy. We have to talk about this. And as soon as we began to talk about the racial injustice in America, people began to leave our church. I saw it because that Sunday, literally 15 minutes after service, our giving went down $2,000 a month recurring. Because I talked about the racial injustice. And then you fast forward a month and people began to leave our church again. You didn't talk about it enough. 
The left was angry with me because I didn't talk about it enough. The right was angry with me because I, I even mentioned it. It's like, dude, our, it felt like our church was going to be torn apart. I'm like, we're done. First COVID, now racial injustice. And then it kept going. It kept getting harder. And the fall was, was the election tension and masks. And then it became the vaccine. And I'm not sure if any of you remember July and August of 2021. This room was hotter than hell. I'm telling you, this, there was this one lady in the back of the room. Literally, she got up. And I thought she was leaving because she was angry. She stood by the window, literally standing on top of the AC vents, fanning herself as sweat is dripping down her face. Oh, my God, how, how can you grow a church in a room that feels hotter than hell? This is not Disneyland, California. We're, like, soaring over California. We're going to feel what hell feels like and not just preach about it. Like, how do you grow a church in this environment? And I remember people would be angry with me. Pastor Ali, we, we did a service outside. Why aren't you wearing your mask, Pastor Ali? Oh, my God, do you not care? I'm like, we're outside. What are you talking about? It was one thing after another. It was one catastrophe. And I thought every, six times I thought our church was going to die. And I had to learn this principle that we do this. We need to learn to replace the headlines with the guidelines. We need to learn to replace. Because Esau in me, not only does he come out first, he thinks it's the end of the world. Oh, my son stopped going to church. His faith is done. Oh my gosh, my, my, my friend didn't text me. We're no longer friends. Oh my gosh, my boss didn't give me a promotion. I'm never going to be able to afford that house. And when you go to the end game, you think it's the worst scenario. My kids are coughing. Oh my gosh, they have COVID. And Jesus modeled for us. He, 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 he explained the power of believing by faith his promises versus what you see. In Matthew 16, he takes his disciples to a city called Caesarea Philippi. You and I read this story, and we have no idea what Caesarea Philippi. It is Las Vegas times a thousand. In Caesarea Philippi, they worshiped this God named Pan. He was a half man, half goat. And you know how they worshiped the God of Pan? They, had, they would bring a goat to church to have sex with it. It's crazy. And Jesus, this rabbi, this carpenter turned preacher, took his 12 disciples to Caesarea Philippi. No Jew ever went there. This is the equivalent of me hiring four or five charter buses. Guys, we're all going to Vegas. And we all drive to Vegas and we park in the largest strip club in Las Vegas. And we do a Bible study in the parking lot. That's what Jesus did. And then he asked the disciples, who do you say that, that, who do the people say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some of you say you're, you're the prophet, the spirit of, of John. But Jesus said, who do you say that I am? To Peter. Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. COVID will not prevail against my church. The political unrest will not prevail against my church. Racial injustice will not prevail against my church. Masks, vaccines, nothing will prevail against my church. I will build, I had to take the, the things that I was seeing, the things that I was feeling, and I had to give them to God. God, I'm taking the headline, and then I'm replacing them with the guideline. You are going to build this church. And COVID, and the political unrest, everything, you are stronger than all of those things. I had to learn that the hard way. Some of you, you got to realize that God says something about you. He says that you're the head and not the tail. He says that you're above and not beneath. That he says you are more than a conqueror. He says greater he that is in you that is in the world. Do you believe that? Or do you live life by Esau who thinks it's the end of the world every time? Every time. Because he's always the first one to come out. The story continues. And, and then, but Jacob... 
to swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. That's actually the last verse in Genesis chapter 25. Jacob doesn't bring a contract out. Doesn't make him sign his birthright. You can't even rent an apartment in San Jose without signing a contract. Let alone a car or a house. You always kind of put it in writing or it's not real. Why is Jacob, why is he making this promise with his brother Esau and not having him sign a contract? Point number three is this. There is someone else inside of me and they're confident. They're confident. They're confident. Jacob walked differently. Jacob had this confidence that God was going to use him. God was going to bless him. And the first thing that came out of him, most all of us, we got Esau and Jacob. The, the first thing that comes out is fear. The first thing that comes out is anger. And they always catastrophize, but there's another, and they're confident. How does Jacob get this confidence? Because I believe his mother, Rebecca, told him, hey, when you were in my womb, and I didn't know I had twins, the two of you jostled me. And I went to God saying, God, why is this happening to me? And Jacob, do you know what God told me? Said that there would be two nations inside of me. That the older one would be the stronger one, but the older would serve Jacob. You're the small one. And I know your brother's bigger than you, but God's going to use you, Jacob. God has a plan for your life, Jacob. God's going to do something amazing. God came to our grandfather, Abraham, my dad, and he's going to do something amazing. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, do you not realize that God wants to do something amazing through you? Some of you, you know where your identity comes from? It comes from the scale. It comes from the mirror. It comes from social media. It comes from your friends or your parents. You are who God says that you are. You, you need to stop walking in confidence or even self-confidence. You need some Godfidence. It comes from God. And, and it says, Jacob, in Genesis chapter 32, so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wretched and re as he wrestled with the man. If you've never read this story, Jacob is, is on the run from his brother and this man that he's wrestling with is actually a Christophany. It's, it's a picture of Jesus becoming a man before he came 2,000 years ago. It's like a Where's Waldo moment, but just spiritual, you know? So Jesus is on the scene. We just don't, he doesn't say he's Jesus. And he's wrestling with Jacob. Jacob has this issue. He's been wrestling with Esau his whole life. This brother that he's stolen. There are some of you in this room, you've been wrestling with a sibling. You've been wrestling with your boss. You've been wrestling with your spouse. And you're like, God, why would you give me this problem? God often allows those issues. Not because he doesn't love you, but because he wants to wrestle with you. And pain is the pivot point of purpose. And he wants you to go through anger. He wants you to go through depression. He wants you to go through these things so that you come to him. Because he's your only solution. And Jacob, his whole life, he's been solving his own problems. And now for the very first time, he's wrestling with God. Then the man said to him, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. 
He was fighting with God. If I can get the three people I spoke to at the beginning of the service to come up. I think it's remarkable that Jacob in this moment does not quit. You know why? Because Esau would have quit. Esau is a quitter. If you guys can come up on stage. And move this over here. Esau's the first one to come out. Esau wants what feels comfortable. Esau wants it now. He wants it quick. Esau would have quit. This is why some of you, you don't realize the reason why you want to quit on your marriage, the reason why you want to quit on your kids, the reason why you want to quit on your church, the reason why you want to quit on your God, because that's Esau. He always wants to quit, but good old Jacob. Jacob don't want to quit. He's wrestling with God. And this point number three is this. Point number four, excuse me. There's someone else inside me, and they won't let go. Some of you, you don't realize this, but I, I was doing some research on our church, and we're only four years old. We've seen 230 people say yes to Jesus in our church. Crazy. And I, I realized more than two-thirds of our people in our community, they got saved and baptized in our church. More, many of you in the room, you've never walked with God for more than five years. You, don't, you have no clue about the ups and downs of the spiritual walk. But for those who, who have walked with him for a decade, two decades, three decades, there are seasons where you get angry with God. You get frustrated with God. And you want to walk away. It's usually in those moments you realize there's someone else inside you. And they won't let go. You're angry with God and you turn on the radio and it's Caleb. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear about God. And then you're at the store and... They're supposed to say happy holidays because it's politically correct. They say, God bless you. What? Why did you say that? And then you're driving home from work and you're hungry and you're like, oh, I need a chicken sandwich. And you, you just find yourself a Chick-fil-A Jesus sandwich, right? For those of you that have tried to walk away, you realize God is always pursuing you. He's always coming after you. And what I want to do is I want to illustrate this tension of these two people inside of us with these three people. This is this is Esau right here. And Esau, her, his heel, illustration, is being grabbed by Jacob. And at the same time, Jacob is, is wrestling with God. And Jacob is in the middle. This is the first person to come out, but now God is wrestling with him. He has got a new identity in Christ. He is a Christian now. But there's this tension of the old, the flesh, and the new. The thing that God wants to have him do. And the scriptures say in Genesis chapter, the next slide. I can't see it on my... The man asked him, what is your name, Jacob? Jacob, he answered. You got to realize when God asks the question, he's not trying to gain information. God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. God does not learn. He already knows the answer. When God asks the question, he wants you to see something that he doesn't see. The healing in Jacob's life, the transformation in Jacob's life begins with confession. God can't heal who you pretend to be. Who are you, Jacob? Jacob literally means thief. Literally means liar. Literally means deceiver. It's like God saying, what's your name? I'm a liar. God would ask you, who are you? Some of you say, I'm afraid. I'm insecure. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. I'm all by myself. I, no one loves me. I'm unvalued. I'm ugly. I'm shy. God can't heal you until you confess it, until you speak that thing that you believe, which is not true. And God says this, then the man asked him, what is, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, 
but Israel. And Israel is two Hebrew words. Israel. El means God. Isra means to wrestle. You're no longer a thief. You're Israel. You're no longer depressed. You're no longer a porn addict. You're no longer an alcoholic. You're no longer uh, fearful. You're no longer insecure. You're no longer unvaluable. You're no longer unloved. You are who I say that you are. And this tension in your life, why do I have anger problems? Why am I always depressed? Why am I always feeling lonely? This tension of this old life and yet there's this new life that God wants for me. How do I find freedom? It's in the story of Jacob. Watch what happens. Jacob says, because you have struggled with God and humans, but have overcome. See, what happens is Jacob, he lets go of the heel and he puts two hands on God. And now they're wrestling. And Jacob is wrestling God. Yet notice, Esau did not go away. Esau will never go away. You will always struggle with insecurity. You will always struggle with, with the desire to smoke some weed. You will always struggle with that desire to go back to porn, to go back to that old lifestyle. It never goes away. Just because you accepted Jesus does not mean that you become sinless. But by his power, you will sin less. You will sin less. And what's so crazy is there's this battle, there's this tension, there's this struggle. But Esau does not go away. And you need to realize this tension. What changes is not the tension. What changes is your attention. I'm not focused on who I was anymore. I'm focused on who God calls me to be. I'm not focused on my depression. I'm focused on who God is. Some of you, you your marriage is broken. And you keep turning around fighting Esau. You're supposed to love me. You're supposed to serve me. You're supposed to give, serve me and do these things for me. Some of you need to get on your knees. And say, God, I don't want to fight him anymore. I'm going to wrestle with you. That problem may never go away. But my, my problem, my help, it comes from the Lord. Some of you, your son has walked away from God. They, they don't go to church anymore. And some of you have been fighting your children. And what you need to do is wrestle with God, not your children. They belong to Jesus. You need to wrestle. Why hasn't that problem gone away? Because God wants to make it impossible. Because it's not up to you. It's up God. to him. God, why am I still single? Why are all my friends married? God, why do I still want to go back to that lifestyle? But God, I want to wrestle with you, Jesus. The tension does not go away. Right, right. Your attention changes. That's good. My help comes from God. He's my healer. He's my redeemer. God, I don't know what to do anymore. I, I can't solve this problem anymore. God, I need you to heal me of my anger. God, I need you to heal me of my depression. The tension is always there. It never goes away. You have two people in you, Esau and Jacob. But Jacob, praise God, he comes after. And when you wrestle with God, something has to break. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.